Hello, we're pleased you've been able to tune in to Finding Truth Matters with Dr Andrew Corbett. Welcome to the program. For many people, life is pointless, it's meaningless, it's unfair and it's cruel. Little wonder the suicide rate in this electorate is higher than the road toll in this electorate. What's your definition of best? Try this one. Reaching your highest potential, considering your circumstances and opportunities. With that in mind, how then do we go about living the best life? Richard Dawkins wrote that the universe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is, at bottom, no design, no purpose, nothing but pitiless indifference. That's a dismal perspective, isn't it? But wait, there's more. Fortunately, that's not the way the universe is and we have a wonderful opportunity to live the best life. Dr. Corbett is concluding the best series. So let's join him now as tonight we look at how to live the best life. I'm gonna open in prayer and ask God to speak to us. And then I'm gonna share the why behind what I'm going to be doing right now. So that we're all clear why we're doing what we're doing. I just wanna say thank you for being here because I think it was a couple of weeks ago when Denise shared out of Hebrews 10.25, do not neglect to gather together, as is the habit of some. And that's why I'm really grateful that you're here, because we're applying that passage that despite the inconveniences that we have, but when I'm done, we can go outside and we can take our face masks off and we can enjoy a drink in the sunshine and all will be well with the world, Aaron. It'll all be fine. As we've been going through this past month, the first month of the year, and we're looking at the best series, and we've been looking at how we can establish the best plans, how we can establish and, and, and set up ourselves for the best year, to think in terms that in the first week of the year, most people set up their New Year's resolutions, which I think last 17 days. And then we can talk about how we can be the best us, who we can be. And in our last session, we, we looked at how we, can, how we can be the best friend, what's involved in doing that. And now I want to conclude this series, but not the mission of this series, with how we can have, how we can live the best life. And here's my why behind all of this. One of the things that we, we actually have the privilege of in Tasmania, we have, you know, apart from this season right now where we've got to wear masks in church, we have not had to do that before the last few weeks. There are other states where they've, they've had to and they've been living with it for months, even still. We haven't. There are other states that have had lockdowns that have gone for months and months and months where churches have not been able to gather. We haven't had to endure that. We've had the privilege through the last two and a bit years of this pandemic of being able to meet together. It's been wonderful. And despite the modelling that said that there could be dozens and dozens of deaths and fatalities and so on, we haven't had that either. We're really grateful. I remind you, at the start of this, our Premier sent us a video message. Our Premier asking us to pray for him and his government right at the start. 
And then two weeks or so later, he sent another one asking us again, please pray for me, my government, frontline healthcare workers. And we did that. And the result was, as we pointed out to him when he came here, remarkable that there was, for those who are attached to the LGH, you would know that the modelling was terrible about what could have happened. And it didn't. And for that, we give God glory and we give him thanks. And, and so I'm reminded, and I think I shared this th- th- over the last couple of uh, years as we've, we've navigated through this pandemic, that F.W. Borum said, our worst fears are those that are never realised. Sometimes we are so afraid of things and they never actually eventuate. And that's really the story of the last couple of years as well for us here in Tasmania. So I'm really grateful, I'm thankful that we can do church, but more importantly, I'm grateful for you as a church through all of this, through all the inconvenience, one of the things, and, and this is where um, I'm so appreciative of what Blair shared this morning. I don't know that we, sorry Blair, I don't know that we will ever be doing communion with Coca-Cola and orange biscuits. But I'm grateful for what he shared about getting engaged in the community and having a heart for the community. And over the last, even the last few months, as we have built a connection with the Samoan community at the, the hostel just around the corner from us, and how many of them have expressed their appreciation for that connection and, and we've reached out to people and I'm so grateful to our MOPS group that's reached out to mothers in our community and we've, we're in a season now where we have never seen our MOPS group any larger than it is right now and I think Elizabeth Hannah and her team have just done an outstanding job in reaching new mums. It's great. The challenge that we have is to realise that what God has done in us is not just for us. God told Abram, I'm going to bless you so that you will be a blessing. And I think, as Norm shared over the offering this morning, that we put God first and we honour God by being generous both to him and to those that he loves, that we will be blessed. And that is so true. It's probably truer than most of us realise. And we we have had the opportunity to reach out. Each of these messages that I'm preaching now, and I I hope you would partner with me in this, by no other means than prayer, each of these messages go out on radio, each of these messages go out on live on YouTube right now, live on Facebook right now. Some of us have noted that our friends, our neighbours, our family members have been watching these live streams and they have never grace to the doors of this church so God has done something and we've already had some indication that there are people who have made a commitment to Christ as a result of of what we're doing and and again I'm just so grateful for the opportunity that we have and the heart that we have to evangelize and when we took up an offering for the Tasmania uh, Tas- Tasmanian Celebration Journey with Will Graham as we saw we were the second highest giving church in Tasmania toward that campaign and that does my heart proud 
we are not holding back. I'll just let you know, I want to pastor this church, and I want, but also I want to lead this church. And I see them a little bit differently. And a part of that means that I don't just want to care for you and make sure that we are cared for. I also want to represent you and lead and, and be a voice into the ears of government and public policy and things like this. Not because we're after power. God help us, we are not. But we do want to do what we do and that means sometimes we need to build relationships with those who can hinder that or enable that. So the middle of December, I've told some of you, I haven't told all of you, but I had a meeting with the public health officer's chief staff. So Mark Veach, the director of public health, was going to meet with me and a couple of others. And I'll just tell you this, and if I, 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 there's not even a thought in my head that this is bragging, it's, it's reporting. I met with him, uh, met with his uh, left hand and right hand essentially and, and we just raised the issue of vaccine mandates. Now there's lots of debate about vaccines and things like that and you know and I've been very upfront that I uh, have been vaccinated, um, double vaccinated, I've been boosted, I've got a sticker that says um, jabbed by John, um, <laughs> which I, I'm not wearing today. And I know that there are some who have objections to that, and that's okay. This is not a point for us to divide over, is it? It's not. This is like some drink alcohol, some don't. Some are vegetarians, some not. I have a daughter who's a vegan. Please pray for her. <laughs> for Pete's sake. Vegans are more militant than... Oh, anyway. And she's my family, and we... We, we love each other and I think as a church, we can be a church where we're vaccinated, not vaccinated and that's your call, that's your call. My children are vaccinated, all of my children are vaccinated and that's our call, right? It's like not right or wrong, it's just our call, it's an individual thing. Now all of that to set up for what I want to talk about now, how to have the best life. Because if you think it's about us and me and my and what I can do and what I can be and how I can achieve, you have not heard me. You do not get it. If you are someone who regularly comes to church and for you, this is Christianity on a Sunday and on a Monday, back to the way you live and Sunday really has no impact on your Monday, you don't get it. If you're a kid and you go to the Christian school and you think, oh man, I get this every day of the week, I, not during school holidays but I get this all the time and I'm just over it I just want to be a normal kid then you don't get it because Christianity is the normal life it's not it's Bonhoeffer one of my heroes he said I'm not promoting a Christianity that's all about religion I'm promoting a religionless Christianity because it's about a relationship with Jesus it's about a relationship where, you, where Jesus said, he who is forgiven much, loves much. And the result of what we're doing today is just to ramp up, just to ramp up your love for Jesus just a little bit more. And in fact, I hope we just pour a bucket load of petrol on that little pilot light so that you leave this place going, man, I love Jesus. I love him so much. I am just going to be besotted with Jesus. I'm going to live for Jesus. And that's kind of my pastoral heart here. And dare I say it, I want it to be our church's heart and I want it to be our apostolic church's heart for this community. Because what we are going to do in May, what we are going to attempt in May, the last weekend of May, has never been done in the history of our state. 
Never been done. I thought that was exciting too. <laughs> and we are going to do something with every time Kim will contact someone and try and get them on board with what we're doing because I recognise it's bigger than us. It's way bigger than us. We have some just over 300 people who are part of this church family and I'm telling you, it is way, way bigger than us as a church. And we need everybody who names the name of Jesus to be in on this. So we have Sheffield Bible Chapel. We have the Wynyard C3 Church. We have the um, Baptists, Baptists in Burnie in with this. We have people over in Scottsdale in with this. We have Georgetown uh, Cornerstone Church. We have George, Georgetown Independent Baptist Church involved with this. We have we have the, thank you, the Deloraine Baptist Church, the Westbury Baptist Church. We have Presbyterians involved. We have Anglicans involved. We, whoa, we have. <laughs> and we have the Reformed Church around the corner from us, not only involved, boots and all involved. And uh, Jack, who's a good friend of mine, Jack Kapinga, the pastor there, our next combined church's prayer meeting is going to be in their church in, in, a, in a couple of weeks. And they're involved. And, and many people who have got a glimpse of what we're trying to do in, in the end of May have seen this and said, never in my life have I seen so many different churches, so many different church leaders, so many different pastors come together with one aim, to lead people to Christ in our state. And that's what I want us to be boots and all in. So if you haven't uh, signed up for the Christian Life and Witness course please do because at the event only those who've done that course will be, will be the ones that will come forward and help someone just pray with that person that they cross that line from where they're at into the kingdom of God and I want as many people from this church to be a part of that team we're putting on the biggest children's festival this state has ever seen we're putting on the biggest youth festival Alex is on the committee and we, are going, we want to see thousands of young people come. This is extraordinary. So what I'm going to talk about today is in between now and then. This is how I think we can live and shine our light into a very, very dark community. I was in Hobart having met with the Director of Public Health uh, and his team. And, and I was talking with a couple of the Hobart church leaders, and I'm, real, I'm deeply concerned about Hobart, deeply concerned. And I had someone uh, from Ambulance Tasmania just confide in me that through COVID, the number of suicides in Hobart has been unbelievable. In fact, there's the, they gave me a piece of information that, that just totally distressed me. And as we look at this, how to live the best life. I want you to know that there are some people, in fact, cancel that, there are a lot of people who do not even think this, what I'm about to tell you, is even remotely possible to live the best life. But let me tell you, it is. How to live the best life. Let me, let me give you the, the definition that we're using for best. And I've used the definition up until this point, which has said desiring to fulfill 
our potential by setting goals for ourselves. So these are some of the things that we've looked at over this month which require planning, practice, an honest assessment of our progress, being on guard against those things that hinder us. That's the definition I've used up until this point. Let me give you a summary of that definition now. Our best, reaching our highest potential, considering your circumstances and potential and opportunity. So reaching your highest potential, considering your circumstances and your opportunities. Now, Blair said it before, sometimes perfect is up here, sometimes we feel like we're down here, but sometimes we, we might be down here and best for us might just be up here. In other words, we're not asking someone to jump over a six metre high wall. We're asking someone just to go a little bit more because that's your potential and that's okay. But there are some of you and you're here and your potential's here. You could do more, you could achieve more, you could be more. That's your potential. Not everyone, but there are some. There's at least three in this room right now and there's at least how many watching online right now. That's your potential. And sometimes we make all kinds of excuses. We let ourselves off the hook from even trying. Oh, I'm haunted sometimes by that Homer Simpson scene, that great theologian who... <laughs> said to Lisa after she attempted something and it failed and he, and he said, see Lisa, I've told you the first step to failure is trying. <laughs> and I think that is not good advice. That is not good advice. So because I'm talking about this and some people are going to hear, oh, a Christian minister talking about having the best kind of life. What's he going to talk about? Sitting in a corner and reading a book and praying? Although that sounds pretty good to me. But anyway, for some of you, there's this misconception that Christianity presents to you. And I want to just, just confront these right straight away because I want you to live the kind of life that actually challenges these ideas that people have. First misconception, Christianity is an outdated, irrelevant religion. Really? We're going to challenge that. Secondly, Christianity is prudish and against everything that is fun. Prudish means all the good things in life, you can't do them. Don't you? Oh, that's prudish, right? And um, uh, when it comes to girls' dresses, you know, um, Ruby had a dress that was above the knees. I said, no, no, take it down just below the ankles and we'll be all good. It was a joke, Wendy. Just above the ankles would have been fine. And Christianity is based on a book that is contradictory and written by scientifically ignorant writers who believed myths were actually true. These are some of the obstacles that we're going to have as Christians confronting this culture because these, can I tell you, all of those three objections to Christianity are lies. They are all lies and I want to confront those lies now. That's why I'm calling this the surprising truth about what Jesus Christ taught because I, I want to now kind of avoid the word Christianity and use this expression, what Jesus taught, what Jesus taught. So let's have a look at this, confronting this first one and, and Blair just about read it this morning over communion. He nearly read it. 
It was a few verses after this, but Jesus said to the Jews, now this is, get the context here, these Jews were hoping to be right with God. I mean, they really wanted to be religious. They wanted their lives to count. So he's talking to these people and and Jesus is kind of saying, you're empty, aren't you? You're looking for something, you haven't found it, have you? you? You are empty, you are alone, you are disconnected, you don't know how to meet those deep, deep-seated longings of your soul, let me tell you how to do it. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, this thing here, abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and get this, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. But notice it's not just the truth that'll set you free, it's the truth of what Jesus Christ taught. Boy, that, if, if he's not right, that's really arrogant, isn't it? So I want you to consider this. Jesus is talking about God's word being true and it will do something in you. Secondly, what about the prudish thing? Christianity is always against. Christianity doesn't want people to enjoy. Christianity doesn't want people to have a good time, enjoy life. Really? Have a, have a consideration of this. I think God has given us all things to enjoy, Paul said to Timothy, but not all things to worship. And there is a difference. Because the longing of your soul, the longing of my soul, the longing of the souls of all those that we meet and interact with is satisfied by worshipping the right thing. And the right thing is not even a thing, it's a person. Paul writing to Timothy said, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. And what does God do? Who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. To enjoy. And what what does that mean? That means God has given us food to enjoy, but not to worship. And you see, what you worship is where you look for your need to be satisfied. What you worship is what you look to for comfort. What you worship is what you prioritize in your life. And some people have made food, or as Paul wrote to the Colossians, the God of their belly, their idol. And that's not, it's not, it's not supposed to be something we worship. But food is meant to be enjoyed. So if you make a really lovely meal, Kim and I are open. Invite us around anytime. We're, we're there. Secondly, what about the scriptures? Jesus actually said something about the scriptures. Was, and was he ignorant? Would, would anyone accuse Jesus of not knowing what he was talking about? I've never heard anyone say that. So consider this. Paul again writing. This is Paul who had an encounter with Jesus. He wrote to his protege, Timothy and he said this how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings that's the word scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus so what Paul is telling Timothy is all of this points to Jesus now in case that's not persuasive enough Jesus actually said it in John chapter 5 and verse 39 you search the scriptures because You think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, Jesus said. So the scriptures all point to Jesus. And Jesus said they're all true. They're all true. And that's what Norm mentioned over the offering this morning. It's a historical.
historically reliable document and it makes truth claims, not myth claims. So these are just three straight up counters to those three perceptions that people have outside of Christianity, outside of the church, outside in the world, who we're going to interact with. And I'm not suggesting you take your Bible under your arm to work on Monday and just say, now let me tell you how you're wrong in three different ways. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying when it comes up in conversation, you can say something like this, I don't agree with that. I actually see things differently. And if you would like to hear how I see it, I'd love to share it with you. And that's why what I'm saying now is actually something for you to share on a Monday morning. For many people, life is pointless. It's meaningless. It's unfair and it's cruel. How's this? This is taken from one of the most influential people in the second half of the 20th century and he has influenced media, arts, thinkers. This is what he said. The total amount of suffering per year in the natural world is beyond all decent contemplation. During the minute that it takes me to compose that sentence, thousands of animals are being eaten alive. Many others are running for their lives, whimpering with fear. Others are slowly being devoured from within by rasping parasites. Thousands of all kinds are dying of starvation, thirst and disease. It must be so. If there ever is a time of plenty, this very fact will automatically lead to an increase in the population until the natural state of starvation and misery is once again restored. (laughs) Fun guy. In a universe of electrons and selfish genes, blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky, and you won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at the bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. Dr. Richard Dawkins wrote that in a book called River Out of Eden, A Darwinian View of Life. And can I tell you, that's the view of life that many of our friends have. There is no point to life. Little wonder the suicide rate in this electorate is higher than the road toll in this electorate because of that kind of worldview. And can I tell you, we are God's agents of hope. We sang it. God's agents of hope in this world. And that's my apostolic pastoral hope for us that we get it. So let me tell you how Jesus Christ offers the means for living the best life. Let me see if I can run through this really quickly. Giving your life to Jesus Christ gives your life direction. And there are many people who don't have any. Here's the direction Jesus spoke about. He said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He gives life direction. Jesus Christ gives us an insight into why things happen the way they happen. Oh man, I was watching the six o'clock news. I don't always get a chance to watch it, but I saw it last night because I wanted to watch the tennis. And, and there was the, the police commissioner of Western Australia was on and he said, we are all completely dumbfounded 
completely confused. We, have, we just cannot get our heads around why someone would do this kind of crime. And he was referring to a 40-year-old father who took a gun and killed his two young children and then turned the gun on himself. Jesus gives us insight into this world. He gives us insight into why some people find life unbearable because we're in a cosmic battle. We're in a supernatural battle. And Jesus said, in order for you to get through life, you need me. You need me. And this is how he said it. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And it's a picture of that yoke that goes on the older ox. And then there's a slot there for the younger oxen. And it's kind of like daddy asking his four-year-old son, help me carry the billiard table into the other room as daddy carries the middle of it like we dads do. The granite type, the three-ton type and little, anyway. But you get the picture? He carries the load. Just be yoked to him and you'll get through life with the kind of insight you need. Jesus Christ gave the rules for success. And again, Norm mentioned this over the offering. The God who has ordered the universe has put rules into this universe. Jesus said this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. There's the rules. Jesus gives life, spiritual and emotional strength. And I reckon that's what people need. They need it right now. And Jesus said this, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. That's the Holy Spirit. And there are people that don't know the comfort that we as followers of Christ who are spirit-filled have in knowing and enjoying the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. And Jesus Christ gives life the highest highest ethical standards Jesus said this so whatever you wish that others would do to you do also to them for this is the law and the prophets it's the highest ethical standard don't return to others what they do to you do the good that you wish that they would do to you before they even do it the highest ethical standards and Jesus gives the wisdom for decision making that it's, this is in Ephesians 1.17, Paul writing that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Jesus gives us wisdom for decision making. You need to make a decision. It's a tough decision. Jesus will help you make it with the wisdom that he gives you. And Jesus gives life. And I reckon this is one that people really need to know companions for the journey the person on your left and the person on your right right now is your brother or your sister even if they're your wife or your husband they are your brother or your sister and we read in Romans chapter 12 and verse 5 that it says so we though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another and finally Jesus gives life purpose and this is the purpose of the kind of life that can be the best life Jesus said it this way because that word eternal 
life is a quality of life, an adjective of life, meaning the absolute best. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. That's why following Jesus and his teachings is not about being religious. It's about living the best life for which we were designed. Would you please stand? We're going to worship because he is our hope. He is our hope. Not the church, not, not rules of the church, but Jesus. He is our hope in this life and in death and beyond. And we're going to worship him now. Then I want to come back and close in prayer. What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone, Christ alone. What is our only confidence that our souls to Him belong? Who holds our days within His hand? What comes? Come
Amen. He is. He is our hope in this life. And if you don't know the hope that can only come from Christ, I'm inviting you now to make sure that He is your hope. And I'm talking to each of us here. This might sound evangelistic and in one sense it is, but I'm actually, it's pastoral and apostolic. We are wanting each of us to be the people that represent this kind of life, this best kind of life, not where Jesus is all about what we do on a Sunday morning between the hours of 10 and 11.30, but when Jesus is a part of everything we do. It's the Spirit-filled life. It's a life where we have the opportunity to live the best kind of life possible. So I want to pray. And for those who are joining with us online, if you have never given your life to Christ and you want to do that, I want to meet with you. Connect with me on Zoom. Somehow just reach out to us. I'll give you an hour of my time and I'll take you through. And if you're here today and you don't have a Bible, I've got a Bible for you right here. It'll start you on the journey. We'll give you a DVD. We'll give you a Bible study and you can start your journey with Christ as well. So let's pray. Father, I pray for those perhaps who've never crossed that line into the kingdom of God. Perhaps they've crossed the line into church, but they've never surrendered. They've never given their life to Christ. Lord, I pray in this moment, you would speak sweetly and gently into their heart, into their soul and invite them to come. Come. And if you sense that call of the Spirit of God in your heart, all you have to do is respond in prayer. Jesus Christ, make this your prayer. Jesus Christ, please come into my life. Take away my sin and all the things that have kept me from you. And now, Lord, make me a new person and help me to live for you. Teach me your ways. And in Christianity, we use this word, amen, which means let it be. And now, Father, I pray for us that, Lord, we would exemplify the best life of living with Christ. So, Father, may we know that best life by knowing the love of God the Father, by enjoying the grace of Jesus Christ every time we fall and stumble and sin. And, Lord, may we enjoy the fellowship with the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, our best friend, our counsel. And I pray for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. As we've heard tonight, Richard Dawkins held a dismal view of life and the universe. But fortunately, Mr. Dawkins is not the expert. And in fact, finding Jesus Christ enables us to live the best life. One with direction, insight, strength, wisdom and companions for the journey. That concludes the best series. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to meeting with you again same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.